I am Sumit Gupta and this is Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams at work and life. This is a podcast for people who know deep inside that there is more. Have you achieved a great deal of success, but on the inside you still feel empty and like an imposter? Do other people see you as a strong leader and you wonder why it still feels so lonely and suffocating? The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. I dare to speak to the tremendous power which you already have rather than what you believe are your strengths and limitations. This podcast is called Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. And this is the Leadership Journey series. I am interviewing leaders with an interesting story to learn how they got where they are today. We all have a lot to learn from each other's stories of where we started, where we are now and our successes and struggles on the way. With this series of interviews, my attempt is to give leaders an opportunity to share their stories and for all of us to learn from their generous sharing. Eddie Rice is an entrepreneur, marketing communications director and a speech writer. He is the author of Toast, Short Speeches but Big Impact, which is his first book. He is also a trusted advisor who participates in strategy development with C-level executive teams. In the interview, Eddie shares with us the difference between TEDx-like speeches and more impromptu speaking and how to prepare for both. He highlights the importance of storytelling and the power of practice when it comes to becoming good at public speaking. Among other lessons which he shares after working with many CEOs and writing speeches for them. He also talks about the importance of having a team in accomplishing anything worthwhile. Hello and welcome, Eddie Rice, to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Thank you, Sumit. It's, I, I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. It's a pleasure to have you here. So to jump right in, for, the, for everybody who is listening right now, can you share a little bit about yourself? Of course. I am a speechwriter who helps people just craft narratives and stories that go into their speeches. And I'm also a, a public speaking coach when, you know, I've helped people write a speech. I also help them prepare the speech too. And I'm a published author as of April 18th, 2022, with my book, Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact. Congratulations for your book. Thank you. Yeah. And right, I'm quite curious the way you describe yourself and how did you land up here? So can you share a little bit of your backstory and what led you to doing what you are doing today? Of course, I think it all goes back to college. I was a philosophy major and I took a lot of classes in rhetoric and I just learned how to write essentially in college. And I was also part of what was called the mock trial team. So it's like debate, except you are arguing a court case, a fictional one, of course, because we obviously weren't lawyers at that point, but it still trains you to speak on your feet, to give impassioned emotional arguments to a fake jury. And I really just started to learn how to do public speaking back then. After college, I became a teacher and I taught for five years, eighth grade science. And I learned how to take really complex topics and make them simple for the students to understand without losing any of the science that went with them. Hmm. After teaching though, I was looking for a different path in life. And I thought I was going to become a public speaking coach because of my college background. I'd been doing Toastmasters. And I honestly, I didn't have clients. I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't 
know how to do content marketing or SEO or any of that fun stuff that you have to do as a marketer. And I pivoted and I said, why don't I try something else? And I found out that there were these websites out there, uh, the predecessors to Upwork, the freelance gig webs and websites like Elance and Odesk and Guru that were, they had people on there who needed speeches written. So I said, okay, instead of coaching someone, why don't I try and write a speech instead and see how that turns out? Sure enough, that's where I struck gold and got my first set of clients. And then I finally taught myself how to build a correct website, how to do content marketing, how to do SEO, how to get referrals from people. And I just went off in that direction and it just blossomed since then. That's quite an interesting journey. So you're doing what you always wanted to do, but the route has not looked like, like you wanted it to look like. No, there's no straight line to success. <laughs> I think if you ask anyone, it's very much a very squiggly line with lots of lefts and right mm -hmm. turns and circles and trying to find out where it is that you want to. Plenty of people go through this, especially when starting a business, they have to pivot. They have to find a new market, a new product, a new angle, new marketing. All of those things matter when you're trying to figure out what direction it is that you want to go and trying to get on this path to success. Yeah. As you said, you have been debating or speaking publicly for a long time now. But, but I also know that this is one of the biggest fears that people have. So what uh, can you share a little bit about your childhood, right? Or what shaped you to make this a very comfortable, a very nice way of being rather than like how many other people see, even including leaders, how they see it as something which they, they have to be prepared or they have to be over prepared. And it always uh, makes them anxious. Of course. Yeah. Going back to childhood and growing up, I think I honestly, I was the shy person in class, to be honest. I was not the person who was raising their hand, always offering an answer. If you called on me, I didn't always have the answer that the teacher wanted. And instead, it wasn't until high school and college that I started to seek out opportunities to be a public speaker. And that's when I started to really hone my craft. But what I learned was you have to have these opportunities to practice public speaking if you want to get better at it. Mm. And too often, we don't see the amount of practice that goes into a really good keynote speech or a really good TEDx talk. We only see the finished product. Very similar to watching sports on ESPN, you don't get to see all of those missed catches that a, a player made or didn't make or those missed shots that a, play, a player made or didn't make. And instead, you don't, you only see the finished product. You don't get to see the practice. So if I could tell anyone out there to get over your fear of public speaking, you have to seek out opportunities to practice your public speaking skills rather than waiting until an opportunity comes up. You actually have to seek those opportunities out. Yeah. Yeah. I think this comes up in a lot of my coaching conversations as well, where people are scared of uh, a particular task. And then I point out that how will you get better? And obviously the answer is practice, but many times people are waiting for them to get better before doing something. So it's a paradox. And I love it that you jumped right there. So you said you were a shy child in school, right? So what caused you to not be shy or to make a career out of public speaking? I think it really goes back to practice, but also feedback. So what would happen, whether it was through Toastmasters or the mock trial group that I was a part of, you would get feedback after every single time that you spoke and you had people telling you, hey, this is what I liked and this is where you could improve. So it was not just the practice, but it was having a coach really there 
telling you how to get better. And that's why I really recommend Toastmasters to anyone listening out there. It's a public speaking group. It's international. And every week you get together to do public speaking on impromptu speeches, prepared speeches, and there's tons of speaking roles within the meeting. So it was just seeking those opportunities out and getting the feedback from other people who were better at it that made me into the more confident version of myself that I am today. Yeah. And what have you learned after working with many leaders, especially as you spoke about uh, prepared speeches as well as impromptu speeches? How do these differ and where do you see that leaders can maybe improve or do something to leave a better impression for their followers? I think it comes down to two things. First, it's having really great words on the page. And then second, having enough time to practice your delivery of those words. So when I work with someone, I always make sure that we leave enough time that people can practice the speech that they're going to give. Because I can write a great speech and someone else can write a great speech and we can have it ready to go the night before. But that's going to be very problematic in that you haven't had time to rehearse it. You haven't had time to practice it. And that's going to result in an otherwise, um, what would have been a great delivery, poor one. And that's really what I stress to almost anyone out there is that you have to take the writing of the speech and the practice of the speech in equal measures to make something really great on the stage. Yeah. So how, how does that look? So compared to something which is very formal, like a TEDx speech or like official company speech to something which is impromptu, which is just speaking to your team or maybe speaking to a larger department, but without a specific agenda without a specific points or something. How does the preparation differs in these two different kinds of speeches? I think a lot of people think that impromptu speeches are really truly off the top of someone's head. And what's actually going on is that someone is reaching into past material that they've prepared and they're just recalling it and they're ready to go. If I would have a, a book to recommend to anyone out there, it's a really good one. It's called The Message of You by Judy Carter. And what she does is she takes you through your whole life story and she helps you mine your story for stories that you can use in your public speaking, especially in impromptu moments. Mm. So what you do is you get these stories ready to go way ahead of time. And then when you have that impromptu opportunity that comes up, you simply recall one of those stories and you use that in the message that you're trying to give. She calls it from going from mess to message, which I really like. And you find these stories where you have a mess that you resolve in some way. You have a message that comes out of it. And that's what you end up telling. So it's very similar to stand-up comedians. It looks like it's all impromptu, but they've been rehearsing that material over and over again to get it down. And it's just a matter of recall when they're on the stage. So as much as we want to think impromptu is truly impromptu, it's really just recalling past stories and telling those to the people that are listening. Yeah, yeah. And how do you collate those stories then? Uh, again, and another question which I have is considering how important storytelling is for leadership, is how do you tailor your story according to the message that you want to convey or to the mood of the situation? That's really a judgment call that you're going to have to make. And it's really going to come down to practice and trying it over and over again to see the reaction of the audience and how they're doing it. But I think as long as you have that practice in you and that practice mindset, you're going to be out there testing the stories, seeing which ones resonate and which ones work. So even if you're testing it on a spouse, 
someone at a dinner party or wherever, you test them out ahead of time on smaller stages until they're ready for prime time. Mm. Comedians do this. They go to smaller clubs, smaller acts, and they try out their material there before trying it out on a larger group. So you can do the same thing with your stories. Try them out on a friend, see if they work for you. And if you're getting that kind of resonant feel to them, then it's probably a good bet that you can use it again. Thank you. I think it all comes back to practice as you're trying to convey. Yeah. So what are one of one or two of those key stories from your life that has impacted you? Or one, what are one of those key people who have uh, impacted your life and shaping your career? Oh, wow. So I think it goes back to Toastmasters when I was, and one, and one thing that Toastmasters does as a group is they have competitions and you can compete at different levels of, of difficulty within the organization. You start off at your club level and then you can go up to different levels if you proceed past that. So what happened with me was I entered the humor speech competition. And at the first level, I did incredibly well on my first night. I was just funny. I was engaging. I, everything landed. Every story was perfect. I had tons of energy and it was incredibly well received. So I advanced past the first level. So I get to the next level and it's in front of a group of strangers and it's on Saturday morning, super early. And I get up there. I tell my first story. It's absolute silence. I tell my second story. And it's just tepid laughter, that polite laughter when people think, oh, that must be a joke, so I should probably laugh here. And I just realized halfway through my speech that it was no longer humorous. I was bombing and it was just no good as a speech. And I just sat down afterwards, deflated and defeated from that speech. And luckily, I had a mentor, Mike, who told me, Eddie, look, it's painful, but it's worth it. And I really took that to heart and said, you know what? I'm just not going to let this one time that I bombed really tell the story of my own public speaking career. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to do it again and do it again. Be afraid of bombing again. It's going to happen, but I'm going to be more prepared the next time. I'm going to be more ready. And that's really what I took from it, that I can't let just one bad event tell the entire story of my public speaking Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I think the key message, I think the key takeaway is that like one act doesn't define you and then you can always try that again. So thank you for summarizing it that way. Yeah. So in, in my work with leaders, another challenge which I often see which comes to speaking in public or talking about or motivating your employees is, is this notion of that I am very modest and then if I brag, then it's not good or I don't want to be seen as showing off. So how do you help people really be proud and communicate what they have done without it leaving a negative impression for the audience? I think it's really about your approach and how and what your mindset is when you are telling stories about your own life or what it is that you are trying to do. And I get that. I've had that same conversation with leaders as well. They don't want to brag. They want to be modest. They don't want to tell stories about themselves, even if those stories are really good. So that's why I go back to the mess to message framework from Judy Carter that I think works incredibly well, because then you're trying to tell a story not to boast, but to be instructive, to be a teacher. And I think if you approach it that way, saying, hey, I went through these tough times too, so that you don't have to, 
it's not going to come off as bragging. It's going to come off as wanting to be a teacher, wanting to be a leader and trying to help someone. So if you're mm -hmm. in that mindset of my story can truly help someone dealing with a tough time, dealing with down sales, dealing with a tough time in the company, then I'm going to make their life better. And that's a different mindset than I'm just going to go there and boast about how many awards I've won. So it really comes from a point of being instructive, being a teacher, being educational. If you can get that type of mindset into the stories that you want to tell, you're going to come off um, as that humble leader that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think what you're pointing towards is uh, like many times we get nervous or we get self-critical when we put the attention on ourselves. But what you are saying is actually put the attention on the audience. And what is it that will be the output? What is the lesson? What is the instructive part of it? And that's that sounds simple, but I think that can have a massive impact in the way you come up to give a speech. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So as you do this work, right? One One question which comes up for me, is there something that people misunderstand about you the most? Yes, I think sometimes people come to me and they think I can write a speech on any topic. Hmm. If they ask me, they say, hey, can you write me 5,000 words on the topic of honor or the topic of love or something like that or wisdom or leadership? And I tell them, like, this is a partnership. This isn't me just going away, writing a speech and saying, here, go give this. Instead, I go through a brainstorming process with my clients where I ask them questions. I get on the phone with them. And we go in depth into what it is that they actually want to say. And if they don't have anything to say, it's going to be a very tough speech to write. Hmm. But usually with the brainstorming process, we come up with really great stories for people to tell in what it is that they want to say. Yeah. And then how do you manage this, I would say, misalignment in expectations, especially when the speech needs to be good according to the leader, according to the person, not according to you, and it needs to work in their context with their audience. So how do you manage that disconnect or does that cause a disconnect? It does to an extent, but what I do a lot of times is I will trade the draft back and forth with the client. And this gives me the opportunity to calibrate their voice and the message that they want to send. So it's not just writing one draft and saying, here's the speech, go ahead, adios, we're done with our mm -hmm. relationship. Instead, it's here's the speech, let's go back and forth on it so we make sure that we get your voice hmm. um, in there and we go back and forth on revisions. Yeah. And I'm also quite interested in knowing, right, what is it about speech writing or doing this as a profession that, that really excites you? Or, or where, where are you headed with this? Part of it is I get to really work with very smart, intelligent people that have great stories to tell. And I'm always learning something new with every speech that I get to write for somebody. It's always a new industry. It's always a new area that I get to learn and grow in. And that to me is just fantastic. But then also just getting to work with people who get my process, who want to work the process. And it's developing that relationship with them where we become friends almost throughout the process. And it's just building those relationships and learning something new that really um, just resonates with me. And it's just very enjoyable. And I, I can't think of any other job where you get this type of exposure. Yeah. And as you meet with these people, as you listen to their stories, as you help them craft them into, into words which would fit their audience, how does that impact you? How does that shape you as a person listening to many different stories from different kinds of people, some stories of successes, but also I imagine some stories of failure. How, how does that shape you as a person? 
for me, I get to learn from all of these great leaders. So I have a front row seat to what these CEOs are telling their companies, what these keynote speakers are telling their audiences. So I almost get it for free. But lots of business advice, life advice, coaching almost through the writing of it. It's really helped me. I work in a corporate job now and, and free and speech writing is on the side. But it's really helped me understand how to communicate with the leaders that I work with every day and what their messages are and what they're trying to get across. It's given me the mini MBA almost in how business works, especially in the areas of leadership and communication. Yeah. So beyond the formal speech writing, what lessons have you learned that translate into any kind of conversations? I think one is to just ask a lot of questions. I, I think this has really helped me and I'm very much an introvert in going out to parties and talking to people. My conversation skills have improved dramatically to the point where I even have an internal podcast, the company that I work at. But the podcast is really just me interviewing people and getting their stories out as if it were a speech writing call. So I've really developed my conversation skills and ability to ask questions. And that's really truly impacted me in terms of being able to talk with almost anyone um, that I come across. Yes, I could see a sense of confidence uh, even now when I'm talking to you. And I think having that podcast and then talking to multiple leaders and hearing these stories bring that element of confidence without uh, without being arrogant or without being boastful about it. Yeah, thank you. Thank so you. as part of your journey, right, what is it that you that you're most grateful for? I think this comes back to writing the book. I'm grateful for the team that I was able to put together to write it. Obviously, I wrote the book myself, but I had a team that was an editor, a website designer, a line editor, an audiobook narrator. I just had this entire team that I was able to put together to help me create the book and obviously a cover designer as well. I can't forget her. I mean, she did an, just an amazing job on the cover, but I couldn't have done all of those aspects of writing the book alone. I think there are people out there that try to do everything in their business alone. And you see these kind of like bad graphics, bad logos, bad marketing decisions. And you're just like, there's people out there that could have helped you with this. If you assemble a team to help you, and these don't have to be full-time employees, these can be contractors that you hire for one-off jobs, but you need a team behind you in any endeavor to help you um, succeed in any goal. You do what you are really good at and then let everyone else help you out on the areas where you need the help. Yeah, I think no, no job is an individual job. I think even if we see individual sports or speech writers or like public speakers, everybody has a team behind them. So thank you for acknowledging the people who are behind the book and behind your success. Thank you for being so grateful about that. Another question which I have for you is, given that you have a full-time job and given that you have been doing this for a while, and speech writing also, as you said, right, requires stopping and thinking and reflecting and asking those right questions. So how do you manage all of that? And how do you create that space to rest, to reflect and to really come up with something which resonates rather than just try to deliver one thing after another? It goes back to having a team. So I have a team of writers that I refer work out to when I can't take it on. So I know my upper limit of how many speeches I can do in a given month or a given week. And everything else, I just respectfully tell a client, like, look, I'm just you know completely booked at the moment, but I want to mm -hmm. recommend this other writer to you 
that I know is going to do a great job so that they are ultimately served. And then second, it comes back to time management. And I also love finding new places to write in. So I'm getting sick of working from home all the time. So I have a co-working space that I go to, which I'm going to today. And I like to change my environment. And that really helps me think in new ways when I can be around different people and do the work that needs to get done. So I'm very big on having referrals and having new environments to write in. Those two things have helped me the most. Yeah, I think those uh, things can seem very subtle, but they can have a huge impact on our moods and they also get us moving. So it's very important, as you said, first of all, to know your boundaries, to have a team, but then also to change things up a bit to keep that energy going on. So as you move ahead in the future, you have a book published now. Where do you see yourself in the future? What does a successful and purposeful future look like to you? Oh, that's a really good question. I have not thought that far ahead, to be honest. I think it's going to be one, a steady stream of book sales. That's obviously what I would love to do. And I would love to write a second book. I'm just starting to get some ideas on what it is that I want to write for the second one. But it's going to be a lot faster of a process this time. The first one took me three years. But it's a book writing is a skill, just like any other. And I've learned a tremendous amount about not just the writing, but the editing and the publishing of a that's really helped me understand what I have to do for the second one that's going to come up. But I think what it's going to look like is more speech writing at work and then also figuring out what I do with the speech writing business on the side, whether I make it fully a referral business or if it's something that I go off and do on my own. Um, I've not really figured that out yet. It's still an open question. And I think that's a big part of it is I'm just open to whatever opportunity comes next and whatever is going to happen. Thank you for being so open. I think that has its value. I talk to a lot of people who say that writing a book is one of my dreams. But I also know that a very few out of those people actually get to have a book published. And this is true for many other dreams that people have as well. So having spoken to and having interacted to a lot of leaders who have accomplished a lot, what advice do you have for anybody who has a big dream, whether it's about a book or about something else? but they've not been able to make progress. They have been not been able to really move in that direction. I think you want to seek out people who have already done it and ask them how they accomplished it. So I think there's just a lot of great authors that are out there on the internet who have blogged about their book writing process. I think it's pretty easy to get some of their stories to figure out, well, how did they do it? What were their steps? What were their failures along the way? And not only that, there are people that are not necessarily editors, but they're book coaches, and you can seek out their advice. So it goes back to building that team. So in any type of like large endeavor, you don't want to go it alone. Find the people that have already done it. Find the coaches that are out there. Try them out and see who resonates with you. And if you can find those coaches and those people that are going to be cheering for you on the sidelines and helping you shape whatever this huge endeavor is that you want to do, that's where you need to start. Don't flail around trying to just do it on your own and reading a few items or listening to a few podcasts that'll get you started. But you want to find the people that have done this, ask them for their advice and go from there. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's uh, very practical because it's very actionable as well that go ahead and ask those who have already done it. Uh, and oftentimes people can spend a lot of time like in their own mind or thinking thinking about rather than getting specific. So thank you for that very practical tip. 
So to, to wrap this up, right, where can anybody who is listening find out more about you or about your book or about any other ideas that you write about? Sure. You can find me at ricespeechwriting.com. That's R-I-C-E, just like the food, followed by the word speechwriting.com. You can find me, then that's my website. And you can get a first chapter of the book if you'd like to download it. And you can contact me if you need help with a speech. And then for the book itself, it's on all major retailers. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere where you get print or eBooks, it's going to be there. It's called Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact by Eddie Rice. And the audiobook version should be out um, within the next few weeks on all of the major platforms. It's just taking a little bit of time for the quality control processes to go through. But other than that, I'm everywhere um, that you can find me. My biggest platform is LinkedIn. Um, find me on there. I'm just Eddie-Rice on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty easy to find. And I hope to post a lot more on there in the upcoming months. Thank you a lot, Eddie, for sharing everything about you. And I will make sure to add the links to your website and also to your LinkedIn and to your book on the show notes. Thank you it once again. Absolutely for... wonderful. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but also for those around you. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. I say what might be uncomfortable for me to say or for you to hear, to show you that all our dreams which have been on hold are within our grasp. If you like the sound of it, do not forget to leave a rating. I invite you to subscribe to my newsletter at deployyourself.com slash newsletter. You can also reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook to share any other comment or feedback. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.